Welcome to episode 288 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. On this episode, I want to talk to all of you about why I do a pinball podcast, okay? I know there's a thread on Pinside I want to address called, Do You Listen? to pinball podcasts and there's a lot of interesting back and forth about the world of pinball podcasting. Uh, But before I do that, I want to talk a little bit about some pinball news that is happening in the world and then we'll get on with the topic for today's show. How does that sound? All right, so news number one. I finally saw the Collector's Edition final version of Jersey Jack Pinball's Pirates of the Caribbean. If you haven't seen it, um, there are photos floating around. If you want me to send you the photos for it, um, email me at canadapinball at gmail.com. It's pretty much similar to what we saw before. Uh, The major change is that the barnacles that are on the armor have been adjusted to be a much brighter green. They're almost like a nuclear sort of, uh, I I don't know, glow to them. Um, But I think it looks fine. I've always said, I think the collector's edition of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is the coolest edition because of one thing. I don't even think it's like the barnacles. I think the topper with the boat inside the bottle is the coolest topper possibly we've ever seen in a pinball game. And I've always said it from day one. I just think Jack should put that topper uh, on every LE or make it for sale because I think there's a ginormous revenue stream that he's leaving on the table by not allowing everybody to buy that incredible topper. All right. All right. What else is going on in the pinball world? Beatles Diamond Edition machines are starting to pop up for sale. There are there's one on eBay for $30,000, okay? Uh, I think there's another I think the Platinum Editions were starting to see them for sale for $15,000. And what I did was I actually emailed uh, the eBay user who's selling it. It's a man down in Florida, and I just asked him. I said, "Hey, like I heard these are only available from distributors. Are you a distributor?" Uh, And he said that he buys a lot of games from a distributor and he was given this game, not given, but he bought this game um, from one of his distributors. uh, And now he's asking $30,000 for a Beatles Diamond Edition. Okay, so look, I I think we've talked about this topic enough, right? I think it's at the point where uh, you either see value in this rare collectible because of the plaque or you don't. And I think you know where I stand on this, that I, I, I think that you have to be the biggest diehard Beatles fan to think that the diamond is special. Uh, but this is the market of pinball. We are now in a place where people can ask whatever they want for a game. Uh, if you think it's worth it, and you want to buy it, and you find enjoyment in something at that price point, that's great. I do think that $30,000 for a pinball machine that is the exact same game as something that is $8,000 is beyond ludicrous. And you might disagree. You might agree. Uh, And I know people point at Batman 66 SLE, and they say that that's a stupid thing. Uh, and look, I've always said it. I've always said it. I, I think that Batman's Super Ali has been a little bit of a cash grab for sure. But here's the thing. At least they tried to do more in the game. They tried to. Uh, but I, when I look at Beatles, I just don't even think like they even tried to put more stuff in the game. right? And, and I think that's where it gets kind of ridiculous. And also remember, Beatles Diamond Edition is twice the price 
of Batman Super Early, which is already pushing, beyond pushing the envelope of, of what uh, I, I think a Stern Pinball Machine should be valued at, all right? All right, what else is going on in the pinball world? There's a new pinball game coming out. I have a picture of it right now. I'm looking at it on my phone, and it is not anything that's been on our radar. It is coming from the same people in Spain that brought you the Captain Nemo game. And I got an email this morning, and I'm looking at it right now. And it's the game's, like, done. The game is aesthetically finished. The play field is done. The art is done. The cabinet's done. It is a pinball machine um, around the theme Tokyo Drift, okay? And it is it is coming out. I mean, it, I'm looking at it right now. Again, I will send you pictures, canadapinball at gmail.com, uh, and it is going to be somewhere around like uh, 4,600 euros plus tax. So that's a little bit like around 6,000, like high $5,000 US mark for this game. Uh, but it's it's pretty much complete game and it's got really cool artwork on the side of like these like Tokyo Drift cars uh, it's got very vibrant bright colors doesn't look like there's a ton going on with the play field but I'll tell you this I can count one two three four flippers on this game uh, which is pretty cool right more than two flippers so uh, yeah so look for Tokyo Drift pinball to be coming out sometime soon and uh, that's just another game that's going to be competing for your dollars and I heard they're going to make an unlimited amount of these games so we'll see what happens there all right all right is there any other pinball news people are getting their pirates people are getting their um, monster bash remakes I saw in pirates of the Caribbean there is more issues with the play field chipping um, on the vertical upkick and by the slings, people's clear coat is chipping away and artwork is falling into the black hole of where it goes when it chips off a playfield, right? Look, and I've said this before, this is, this is just always mind-boggling to me. The areas of wear on a pinball machine are not new. Everywhere... There's like a scoop everywhere. There's a vertical upkick. Anywhere on a play field where the ball is hitting it at a different angle or coming down straight on that clear coat, that is an area that can easily be worn out. And we know that people don't want to see their play fields chip. And I, I think the gentleman who, who was having the issues only played 400 games on his machine and already he's seeing it chip away. And I don't get... Why these companies don't offer playfield protectors from the factory, and they also don't design uh, the sort of metal cliffy-like protectors in areas that will wear out. I, I still don't get it. I, I don't get when you're spending $9,500, they can't figure this out by now. And if you if you haven't heard this, Jersey Jack used to offer a playfield protector from the factory on the Wizard of Oz on The Hobbit, and I believe you could also get one on Dialed In, but for the first time ever, they are not offering a playfield protector from the factory, and it's a bitch to install. I saw that someone installed a playfield protector on a Pirates, and it's not easy. You have to remove a lot of stuff. Uh, even when I did the playfield protector on my Batman, it, it took hours. Uh, to undo everything, to put it down, to redo everything, like some of the ramp 
screws were really hard to get off. I, I would not have wanted to do it by myself either. Um, I ended up messing up my crane for a long time. I had to re redo the crane because it had got like slack in the crane. Um, but I just wish that more of these companies would realize uh, that it just makes total sense to protect your games um, from the factory. All right. All right. All right. Why do I pinball podcast? Uh, I want to just talk about this a little bit because I also read something by one of my, who I thought was my friends out there, uh, responses on, on, on pin sides. So someone put up a thread that just said, do you listen to pinball podcasts? And look, uh, it's sort of like that old Jim Gaffigan joke about McDonald's where he, he says that on McDonald's sign, it says like over six billion people served and yet nobody ever admits to eating there, right? So he's like, somebody's lying. So around... 1,500 to 2,000 people uh, tune in to every episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, and I'm happy that you do. And I know that some people think that uh, people tune in just to hear a train wreck. I'm, I'm not sure if this show is a train wreck that so many people would, would listen on a weekly basis. Uh, I, I know that I get a lot of criticism at times that I get redundant, that's sometimes hypocritical. Well, let me break it down for you real simple that there's not a lot of pinball news out there in the world. So of course, we're going to be covering similar topics over and over and over again. And I also think the word like hypocrisy is used uh, a lot when we talk about people's point of view and opinions in this hobby. Uh, but I also think people need to understand that people's opinions can change about a game. And when someone's opinions change about a game, are they being hypocritical or are they allowed to change their opinion? All right. And of course, I will say things that are probably contradictory at times because uh, that's just the nature of doing a show like this is A, I can't remember everything I said about every little topic and B, my mind about pinball can change week to week, day to day, hour to hour. And guess what? So can all of your minds change when it comes to pinball. We're all a little bit of hypocrites and contradict ourselves all the time in this hobby. But the reason why I do this podcast, and you know this, it's not to like send, you know, companies, you know, into the pinball graveyard. I'm not on a witch hunt. I'm not here to just like proclaim that I'm the only podcast that speaks the truth. I'm only here doing this uh, because I enjoy pinball. I enjoy coin-op machines. I enjoy arcades. I enjoy video games. I enjoy pinball. And I enjoy having a commentary on pinball. And I was banned from Pinside. Now, some people like to look at that ban and say like, oh my God, big bad Canada. You know, there's a reason why he was banned. And I can't believe people actually listen to his stupid show. And I think a lot of people expected when we started the show a few years ago for it to be a total train wreck. And maybe some of those people still consider it to be that. But I'll say this, I think that over time, we've established this show, and I say we because I mean it's me and you, the listener, and the guests who come on this show, I think we've established this show as being a pinball podcast that is designed to entertain you, bring up the topics you want to talk about in pinball, and focus more on the collector side of the hobby, right? And that's what I do. And that's what I try to do on a weekly basis. And I hope you're entertained and I hope you enjoy it. Um, so, you know, I want to read a few things that were written about me on Pinside, right? So I think that Ben Heck got it right 
because Ben Heck said something that I think captures what makes this show a little bit different than the other shows that are out there. And he says, I listen to most of the K podcasts. The thing podcasters, movie reviewers, game reviewers, um, that guy kicked out of the White House fear most is losing access. So they tow the company line. Chris is already out. He has nothing to lose. So he says whatever he's thinking. Refreshing. All right. Here's here's why I think Ben is hitting the nail on the head is like, look, I, I, I I'm out. Manufacturers don't want to talk to me. Although I'm going to prove you wrong on this podcast because I'm actually going to go on my all-access tour of manufacturers in a little bit. Um, but I don't have any fear that what I say on this show will result in people not joining the show, right? I don't go to pinball shows all the time, so I don't have to fear like staring people down and having them pissed off at me. I get to tell you how I feel, whether it's good or bad. And I'll say this, it's really hard to be honest in this hobby about whether or not we think we're getting what we're paying for and still have friends in the hobby who are manufacturing games. Look, it's that simple. Like, were you happy with Star Wars? No, I I think Star Wars was probably one of the worst theme integration pinball machines, complicated code of all time. I think it's a disgrace that that's the Star Wars pinball game we get. And because I say stuff like that, I'm never going to get Steve Ritchie on the show, even though he's invited to come on whenever he wants, right? And it's it's that simple. You know, I, I literally, how can I be honest about Houdini and then try and get Josh and Joe on the show, right? And that's just, that's just the quagmire of being someone who wants to be more honest in my reviews. But here's the thing. It's not about like honesty and lying and truth and, you know, shilling. It, it's, it's just an opinion. And I wish people would realize that. It's just my opinion. And my overall opinion about the entire hobby since I've been following it is very simple. And I'm not like, I've never held back on this one sentiment. I don't think pinball magic exists in the majority of games that are out there. I think most of the pinball experiences we've had in the last five years are pretty damn mediocre. And, And that's just my opinion. And my opinion is I always want to see that silver ball do something magical under the play field without relying so heavily on LCD screens and deep wizard mode codes that only a handful of people will ever see. I just wish there was more mechanical going on in these games that was super impressive. And that's that's always been my opinion about all of this. Right, and I think people are paying $9,000, $12,000, $15,000, for games that I believe fall very short in delivering that magic into the world, all right? And you could agree or disagree, and that's cool. And you can go buy every new LE that comes out and jump on the hype wagon and convince yourself it's great and then go list it for sale with 80 plays on it like a couple months later and lose $1,000 now. That's cool. Like, you could do that. Um, But here's what's also funny. So then Iceman chimes in and says, I wonder why, though, dude just got married. I don't get wasting so much of your life reading Pinside and doing podcasts. I'm not sure he even really likes playing pinball. More just talking about it because he's banned here. 
Um, maybe it's because he's gotten rejected on so many different forums. Narcissists for sure. But it's just pinball, such a small group of people in this hobby. Sometimes he's refreshing and other times completely idiotic, just like his history here on Pinside. An interesting character for sure and why I do like him. So, you know, I love Iceman because even in such a simple little post, um, his tendency to have bipolar statements is is right there. So, look, I've talked to Iceman personally many times. I think Doug is a really good guy. He's a very passionate guy. He's on Pinside more than anybody. So it is kind of, um, is it hypocritical for him to say that I'm on Pinside and why, why bother? You could ask that of anybody who hyper posts on Pinside, why bother? Um, I actually think it is more productive to put on a has headset, do a podcast, and actually be able to articulate um, your feelings in this hobby. Um, it's much harder to do that on Pinside where it's just like all these people in a room at once all talking at the same time. You know, you go through like 10 pages on a thread and only like six posts are relevant to the game you're trying to read about. The rest of it is all people just arguing or going back and forth non sequitur, right? Um, and look, I've always offered the hyper users of Pinside to come on the show and be my guests. Iceman has had an open offer, Crazy Levy. Um, a lot of these guys who post all the time, uh, they just don't come on, right? My phone blows up all the time from Ed Robertson, and I invite him on the show because I think Ed has some really good points to make. And you know what is he won't come on the show. Now, luckily for me, I was able to interview Ed about why he's... Um, taking that stance, and I'm going to air that for you in a little bit, um, but I think it's pretty clear why he's not coming on. Anyway, but here's the thing that hurts, and I'm going to be honest, and I don't really sort of understand why this happens, and I kind of, I get why Ryan over at Head to Head Pinball would write something like this. I think they get really upset with me that I, I, I always say that I don't think a pinball podcast should be three hours, and I look, I get that you could make a show two to three hours. And I get if you add up all my podcasts during the week, it definitely feels more airtime than a two-hour show probably, right? If I do four podcasts and they're like 45 minutes to an hour, and that's that's more than a two, three-hour show. Um, but I think what sucks is when I was reading this thread, you know, I think a lot of people were saying, you know, nice stuff and bad stuff about me. They were saying nice stuff and bad stuff about other shows out there. And look, we all have our pros and cons. But but here's what sucks, is that I consider Ryan from Head to Head Pinball a friend. Like, he's a friend of mine. Like, we talk all the time. Of course, we jab about our shows. We have a little bit of a, of a competitive uh, nature. And I think that probably drives both of us to try and make our shows a little bit better. But on a personal level, I think this is always what's upsetting to me is like, are we friends or not? And then, you know, when I read on Pinside that he writes the following about me, it kind of sucks because it's like, well, do you hate my show, Ryan, like that much? So he writes in response to Ben Heck saying he likes my show, Ryan writes, some people don't want to listen to negativity. Some people don't want to hear the prediction of the downfall of pinball all the time. This company is going to collapse. He repeats that. Company collapses. See, I told you it would collapse. This is the only podcast that will tell you the truth. 
Oktoberfest is the worst theme ever. No one from AP comes on his show. I don't get why people don't want to come on my show. I'm respectful to all my guests. And then he writes that I said that Batman 66 SLE is a ripoff and anyone who buys it is an idiot. And then I buy Batman SLE. It's the best game ever. But Diamond Edition Beatles is a ripoff. He writes, it's easy to be right when you take both sides and contradict yourself almost all the time. Pinside can be an echo chamber sometimes, especially when it pertains to negativity. If only there was a way to prove that there are more people out there that enjoy things that aren't always concentrated on the negative. Oh wait, there is. Here is your episode on someone else's podcast. And here is your episode 53 on our podcast. So then what he goes on to do is he shares an image of how on his show, uh, when Ben went on, there was 3,217 people who listened. And on my show, um, we only got 1,964 listeners. So look, you proved it, Ryan. You guys are better. When you had Ben on, you got so many more people on, you know, to listen to the show. Um, but here's the only number that matters, and I tell this to, to Ryan all the time. We both have made zero dollars. Like, I, I, I literally think if it, pinball podcast becoming like a, a dick measuring contest is the dumbest thing ever. And Ryan, like, you know that I think that you and Marty do great shows. Like, you guys interview some of the greatest people in the industry. Um, you, you have your format. You have your style. It, it's not the way I want to do my podcast, and that's fine. And I think people like the fact that there's a variety of shows out there that all tackle pinball podcasting differently. And I know I use the laugh track, which I will continue to use because it's funny. Um, and I also don't think pinball podcast should be two, three hours long. And, and look, if you read the pin side thread, I think that's the only thing people were saying is like they just don't like super long shows. And that's fine. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter. You can just pause a show and play it again when you want to play it again. You know, look, if you add up all my shows, you, they're, they're longer than two hours on a weekly basis. Um, but I break them down a little bit, you know, so each one's its own standalone. It's not like one long show. But look, I just want to say... I'm disappointed that Ryan had to sort of slander me. I, I, I get this all the time. Like people are nice to me like behind Pinside or off Pinside. But then it's like, you ha it's like the popular way to behave is to always insult me on Pinside. This happened with Roto Dave too. He came over to my apartment. We had a great night. And then he goes on Pinside and he makes fun of me. It's just like, cool. I'm the bad guy. Canada's a loser. Nobody likes his show. He's, you know, he's a hypocrite. He contradicts himself. You know, I'm sorry. Look, this show is just meant to entertain. All right. And speaking of entertainment, I know you're going to be entertained by this fact that Ben Heck wasn't completely accurate. I did not lose all of my access to pinball manufacturers. In fact, I went on another one of my world tours where I was able to interview this time some of the biggest names in the pinball industry. That's right. Only here on Canada's Pinball Podcast. And look, we may, we may even crack 1,900 listeners, all right, with this kind of, these kind of interviews. All right, this, this is the only pinball podcast where you can get this kind of candid interviews. No softball questions here, people. We are going to ask these, these manufacturers the questions we all have on our minds. All right. Okay. So who's first on my stop of pinball manufacturers? Well, 
you know what? I wanted to stop by um, Spooky Pinball first. And, you know, I wanted to ask Charlie a few questions. And I want to air that interview for you guys right now. Hey, Chuck, it's Canada from Canada's Pinball Podcast. Thank you for taking the time um, to sit down and talk to me about pinball. I see you're having dinner. Is now a good time to talk pinball with you? Ah, that damn teriyaki's cold again. Mmm. But as long as the beer is cold, who cares? Right, totally. I totally agree with that. So let me ask you a question. Before we talk about spooky games, have you seen any of the streaming of Oktoberfest? And are you worried that Oktoberfest will be a, a competitor to Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle after seeing some of the video streams? Oh, it's terrible. I don't want to watch it. Shut up! Okay, I didn't mean to upset you. Just thought you might be uh, looking at some of the competitors and see to see what they're doing. Um, let's talk a little bit about Total Nuclear Annihilation. 550 games will be made um, when the run ends and Alice Cooper production ramps up. How are you going to get the people who have been so excited making Total Nuclear Annihilation? How are you going to get them to switch gears uh, to start thinking about manufacturing Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle? Like, what are you going to say to them? Evacuate the shop immediately! Okay. Um, all right. Well, that, that's probably one way to do it. Well, let me let me talk to you, Chuck, about uh, spooky pinball. You know, I know that you're really obsessed with spooky themed pins, and we know the Munsters was probably something you wanted to make, but now Stern is making it. What is the game that you just wanted to make more than any other game out there? <laughs> now we know the story Chuck that Jody caught wind that you wanted to make Godzilla so he went um, and pitched Godzilla against you and your company and actually won now what you don't know Chuck is I was able to ask Jody what he said to win the license from you and here is what he told me he told was it Toho to win the Godzilla license. This is what, how Jody scooped you for, from getting Godzilla as a, as a theme for pinball. We scientists produced this monster, Godzilla. And ever since, we tried to destroy him. It was apparently a very emotional scene in that office. And, and once they heard that, they handed Stern Pinball the Godzilla license. Now. Let's talk about Jody for one second, Chuck. How do you feel about him? Like, what if you if you could if you could give me one reason why you think Jody went after Godzilla? What what would you say is the reason he he did this to you? Maybe because Godzilla is inside each one of us. All right, well, that concluded my, my short but brief conversation with Chuck. And then I decided to go over uh, to Stern Pinball. Now, Stern Pinball, I've been wanting to interview Gary Stern for the longest time ever. And a, a, as you know, Gary does not do many pinball podcast interviews. Like, you'll, you'll be hard-pressed to find one. So I was shocked when Gary said he would talk to me briefly about Beatles Pinball. And I really just had one question for him. I wanted to know how he's feeling after seeing uh, Beatles Pinball sell for 
upwards of $25,000 when he knows it only costs $2,000 to make like each one of those machines. So I want to air that interview with you guys right now. Gary, you've got to be on cloud nine right now. You have made a pinball machine that's a reskin of an old game uh, and you've just put like different artwork and a few magnets here and there and you're now selling a diamond edition Beatles pinball machine for $25,000, the most expensive pinball machine ever sold to people. And it's also probably one of the cheapest machines you've ever had to make. So how are you feeling right now with all this profit? So yeah, Gary was like super happy with Beatles Diamond Edition and Platinum Editions just raking in the money as you can tell. Now I got really lucky because I wasn't expecting to get two people uh, at Stern Pinball to talk to me in one day, but actually Ed Robertson was there at Stern and he was actually you know, in the main boardroom with all the Stern designers, George and Gary and Jody, they were all there and Ed was gonna sing them a song uh, that articulated how he feels about Stern Pinball. And I was lucky enough, I was lucky enough uh, to sort of put my ear to the door and hear Ed Robertson performing for Stern Pinball. And right before I put my ear to the door, I heard George Gomez say to Ed that this was a special day having Ed there. And then I heard Ed say this. Oh, it was special for me too. Of course, every day is special when you spend it with people you love. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? <laughs> Whether it's rainy or sunny, you're all very special to me. They really do have a strong bond, Ed and the team over there at Stern. Now, I was lucky enough on his way out after he performed that song to ask Ed one question because the big thing I've been going back and forth with Ed on is the balancing act in pinball between a game being fun and a game needing to be valuable, right? To have value. Um, and so I asked him like once and for all, Ed, what's more important? that we get value in pinball or that the game is fun, right? That, that our $9,000 delivers us an experience that, that has some value. And here's what he said to me. Hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes, big like Leanne rhymes, because I'm all about value. <laughs> Stop it. I sound like I'm going to the toilet. All right. Well, it was a good day at CERN. It was a good day at CERN. So then I decided to go take a trip to Jerry at P3 Multimorphic. And we, we know the story of Multimorphic. I mean, the game's been around for years. Uh, haven't seen too many new unboxings. Jerry has new artwork. And I stopped by and I wanted to just, you know, interview Jerry. So I want to air that for you guys right now. Hey, Jerry, it's Chris at Canada's Pinball Podcast. Quick question for you. Years have gone by. 
P3 multimorphic, whole new platform, whole new concept to pinball. When you look at a game like Total Nuclear Annihilation, that's a very simple approach to pinball, selling 550 units. Do you ever want to go back and do things differently with P3? Shut up! Shut the fuck up, man! I, I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to upset you, Jerry. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just curious. Like, do you think like a title like Lexi Lightspeed is the kind of theme that will make people throw their money at you? <laughs> All right, I didn't mean to upset you, Jerry. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm sorry. Like, but there's good news, right? You have a new art package on the games, and it's it's much nicer than the old art package. Do you think the new art is going to help sell games as we move forward into 2019? <laughs> oh, you man! <laughs> okay, well, Jerry, there's, you know, let's see what happens. I mean, you're, the art's brand new, and, and, and things could really turn around. Um, what, How do you feel, Jerry, when you see a company like Stern, you basically reskin an old game and and sell them hand over fist without a ton of new innovation in it like what 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 does it make you want to do when you see beetles selling through like that well, Jerry, I want to give you a chance to sell the game to my listeners right now. We've got about maybe 1,500 to 2,000 people who tune in to every episode. Here's your chance. Um, tell them why they should buy P3 Multimorphic in 2019. The stage is yours. Well, vive la fucking France, man! <laughs> Well, I couldn't have sold it any better myself. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, and then I wanted to go talk to Mike at HomePin. Now, recently, Mike has uh, continued his sort of like one-man uh, aggressive attacks against anyone who says something negative about Thunderbirds. And we saw this recently in a for-sale thread where someone was selling their Thunderbirds for around like 4200 bucks, And Mike is in there, like arguing again with people. Now, I wanted to just get Mike on a quiet day and ask him a few questions about Thunderbirds and HomePin moving forward. So let me air that interview with you guys right now. Mike, this is Chris from Canada's Pinball Podcast. I want to thank you for taking the time. First question I have for you is how much money do you have invested in this game and how much does it mean to you? Don't I give up to play in this game? Million dollars. Uh, more than that. More than that to me, Mr. Big Mouth Lawyer. I told him. I said, you start late and I may not be around for the finish. Now that's how much this game means to me. So it means a lot to you, Mike. So the question I have, if it means so much to you, why are you being so mean to people on social media whenever they have a question about this game? Shouldn't you be nicer to your potential customer base? What do you think, Mike? Well, look who's mealy mouthing than me about being nice. Oh, Mr. Tight Fist, 30% on my money or I foreclose Mr. Jesse Buford himself in the flesh. Yeah, well, it's Chris, not Jesse. But look, I mean, you can't deny the fact, Mike, that you're, you're, you haven't been the nicest person. And is it, is it in you to be nicer to the pinball community? Now, don't you give me no Sunday school lessons about being nice. All right, I'm sorry. But, Mike, you got to admit, like, are you done? Like, are you out of all the negativity? Is it time to start being positive in, in the pinball world? I got lots more. I come loaded for bear, not chickens. Okay, whatever that means. Final question, Mike. Do you think it was smart 
betting the entire company's future on a theme like Thunderbirds? I bet the way I feel like it. He's <laughs> 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 making the whole thing. <laughs> All right, so then I wanted to go over to American Pinball and talk to Nermal, their marketing director, about Oktoberfest. And I want to air that interview with you guys right now. Hey, Nermal, it's Chris at Canada's Pinball Podcast. First question I have for you is people have been critical of this show that we've been too harsh on American Pinball, and we probably should have taken uh, better care over the words we've said regarding Houdini and now Oktoberfest. What are your feelings on that? You should have taken care of me just a little bit so I wouldn't have to take them dice for the short end money. I don't understand. Are you saying that this podcast has made people pull out of their Oktoberfest orders and that you guys could have been a contender in the pinball industry? You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody instead of a bum is what I am. Let's face it. So he was being really hard on himself, so I decided to cut that interview short. And I had one more interview. And this is amazing. You know, as a show that gets no access, I I was so surprised I was able to line up so many great interviews for you guys, the listener. Um, I was able to get Jersey Jack to talk. And you know, Jersey Jack has probably uh, been kind of upset that we've been calling out some of the questions around whether Pirates of the Caribbean was a good theme or not, you know, whether or not he should have gone all in on on a Disney property that he couldn't use most of the assets from the films. Uh, But I wanted to catch Jack and ask him a few questions about Pirates of the Caribbean. So I want to air that for you guys right now. Hey, Jack, it's Chris from Canada's Pinball Podcast. Thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to us. Question number one on everyone's mind, with all the incredible pinball themes out there that you could create, why did you make a pinball machine based on Pirates of the Caribbean movies that really are not very popular anymore and have been out of sort of like the cultural zeitgeist? Like, who informs you that this would be a good idea? Oh, yes, Mr. Bimbo told me so. Uh, Jack, who's Mr. Bimble? Oh, Mr. Bimble lives in my finger. He's very smart. He's been to the moon. He has? Thank you. Twice. All right. Well, that's kind of strange. Oh, hey, that, isn't that Pat Lawler? Hey, Pat, get in here. Pat, what do you think of Jack's decision to make Pirates of the Caribbean pinball machine? I smell a bozo. Mm-hmm. All right, well, Jack, you've got this big company, you've got this whole warehouse, you've got a whole team of people. Could you please introduce me and my listeners to who your research and development team is that thought this game would be a good idea? Could you please introduce us to them? Everyone, this is Dr. Livesey and his assistant Beaker. They do research and development for my papa. Hello. Well, thank you for that introduction, Jack. Just curious, um, before we go back to Pirates, do you regret revealing it so early like did you completely kill sales of dialed in when you showed pirates of the caribbean a year before it was even going to ship yes well thanks for being so honest jack and we know that your billionaire investor uh, was really the one who convinced you to make pirates of the caribbean just because he thought it was a cool theme um what went on in your head when he told you that the theme he wanted to make after dialed in was Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates, eh? Yes! 
Jack, what do you say to critics who think the company is being mismanaged financially? I want to call uh, up the recent trip to Australia. You know, what would you say to critics who would ask you, does it make sense to take a voyage all the way to Australia to sell some Pirates of the Caribbeans when you probably could just send the games via distributors and that's all you really need to do? Do you think that voyage makes sense? Well, that settles it. We'll use one of my daddy's boats and I will personally finance the voyage myself. Certainly. What are rich half-wit sons for? Great question, Jack. Well, we wish you all the luck selling Pirates of the Caribbean, and we can't wait to see Toy Story and Willy Wonka. Well, that concluded my little tour of the different manufacturers. Lots going on. I hope you were entertained and got a lot of useful information during this podcast. I want to conclude this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast by just saying there's a lot of pinball podcasts out there. You could dedicate your time to listening to any of them. I think everyone does their show differently. I think it's great. I think variety is the spice of life. Uh, I I don't think uh, it's about this or that or this person or that person. Listen to what you like. Buy what pinball machines you like. It's okay. I just think when things get really nasty and personal and people are trying to cut this show down, uh, it just seems sort of ridiculous. Do your show. We'll do our show and let's the listeners decide where they want to spend their time, right? Look, we have a little award show coming up in, in a few months. The Twippies is going to be a live show at Texas Pinball Festival where you, the listener, and the fans of pinball actually get to vote on what their favorite pinball podcast is. And I know that I have a lot of passionate followers, and I hope that you guys vote for this show during the Twippies. If we win, great. If we don't, great. It doesn't really matter. I'll tell you this, and I've done 288 episodes of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Um, head-to-head Pinball, I think they've done around like 60 or something or so, maybe a little bit more. The thing is this. The only thing that matters is that you enjoy doing your show And the only thing that matters for you, the listener, is that you enjoy the shows you listen to, right? That's it. Like when you get burnt out and when you reach a point where you no longer even want to listen to your own show or you no longer want to host it each week, uh, then you need to take a break. And then it no longer becomes fun. And I tell this to Ryan. I tell this to Marty. I tell this to all the people out there. Well, I don't really talk to Marty. He doesn't like me for some reason. Um, But I just tell this to these guys. Look, at the end of the day, none of these podcasts is really necessary. We're not telling like super important stories. This isn't like hard news. The fact that a pinball podcast would try to do anything other than entertain you on pinball doesn't make sense to me, right? It's entertainment. This is entertainment. And I'm happy you guys listen to this show. Um, I'm happy for each and every one of you who tune in. I'm thankful for everyone who donates to Patreon for this show. I love when you guys write in and give me your feedback on the show itself. Uh, And I have no ill will against any other pinball podcasts that are out there. Everyone's doing their thing. All right? All right. So thank you once again for listening to... Canada's Pinball Podcast. Everyone, have a great week. I'm going to take a little bit more time off in between. I'm going to Ireland next week for another wedding. uh, And I do need to sort of not do as many shows during the holidays and just enjoy, enjoy the holidays with my family, with Bubba, with my friends. You know, there's not a lot of pinball news that's going to happen in the next few weeks. Um, But if something does break, I guarantee you, 
You will hear about it from Canada's Pinball Podcast, everyone. Have a great day. I'll never find anybody.